My name is Trip Borman, and in this episode of Sami VC, I sat down with Ryan Bloomer, founder and managing partner of K50 Ventures. Prior to founding K50 Ventures, Ryan was a founding partner at Kairos and a senior associate at Bloomberg Capital. In this episode, we discussed how LPs should think about sociopolitical risk in Latin America, why Ryan thinks that the LATAM exit and IPO market will be cool for the next 12 to 18 months, but roar back in 2023 and 2024. We discussed the culture of venture capital in San Francisco versus New York versus Miami and why he founded K50 in New York City. And finally, we discussed how Latin America today compares with China in 2013. We talked about all this and more in this episode of Samia VC. Okay, Ryan, can you start by telling the audience a bit more about your work history up to and including your current role as managing director of K50 Ventures? Yeah, of course. Um, and thanks so much for having me on. This is this is fun. Um, I actually got to know K50 and Kairos when it first started. I was I was starting my first company and and really have been involved ever since. And K50 and Kairos have, have a long history of dating all the way back to 2008. So and I'll I'll get into that a bit. Um, but my background is entrepreneur <clears throat> turned uh, VC. Um, actually, got my start with uh, David Blumberg at Blumberg Capital. Um, who started a early stage uh, venture fund? Their 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 thing was um, leading leading the seed uh, back when I think leading the seed was uh, was only done by really like micro VCs and angels. Um, and based in San Francisco, they had a global approach um, to investing, uh, which is really where I kind of I, I think first found uh, first fund that I worked with and. Um, was exciting to um, exciting to see that you know Silicon Valley investors can can invest outside of their back uh, backyard and, and be investing in in companies all over the world. Um, and uh, then I joined a portfolio company as the first hire, which uh, went on to IPO. Um, so I had a pretty successful exit there, and then went back to uh, venture capital and started the K50 and Kairos platforms from a venture perspective. Um, to give you a, <clears throat> to give the the group a, a, a bit more background on on Kairos and, and K50, um, Kairos started in 2008 um, as a fellowship for mission driven entrepreneurs, and so there was chapters that were created on college campuses um, in the U.S. and and then began to expand outside of the U.S. and outside of college campuses um, to really almost almost like 40 plus countries. Um, and basically, we believe that huge social problems were going to be solved through entrepreneurship rather than government. Um, and that said, Kairos's mission was to support and inspire the next generation of leaders at a time really when startups and VC were not as hot as they are today. This is, you know, back in 2008 when uh, I think Y Combinator was just starting. There was maybe three accelerators that existed. Um, I, I forget. I don't know what the stat is today, but it's got to be in the hundreds. Um, and probably in the thousands in terms of like early stage funds uh, that are popping up, including syndicates. So the, the space has definitely expanded. Um, the community grew globally to thousands of fellows. And in 2016, we actually raised our first fund. The K50 was always a program that existed within the, um, the community um, really to highlight and spotlight um, the, the 50 um, founders that actually went on to go start companies and maybe raise a little bit of money and, and we would take them through much more of like a venture process 
Um, so it was only fitting that we called it KPD Ventures. Um, and we started the fund to really to support the entrepreneurs with network and guidance, but also capital, um, which, uh, which was you know, one thing that a lot of our founders were looking for, um, especially mission-driven founders, especially young founders. Um, it, was, it was hard to get the attention of, of, the, uh, of, of VCs. Um, and in 2019, we ended up growing the team. Um, we're now seven full-time around the globe. We ended up uh, really pushing uh, into our first uh, international market. Um, we'd always invested in, in Latin America um, from 2016, um, but uh, we really doubled down in, in 2019 and I'm excited to have a, a partner there. Um, and really half our team is actually you know, born and raised in Latin America. So um, uh, I guess the only other thing I'd mention is we've really always been driven by impact and, and helping founders build their businesses. And, um, and uh, I now live in, in New York City. That's where we have our, our office is in right in Soho. Um, and uh, that's about it. Could you tell us more about the genesis of why Latin America and then you also mentioned you had a partner there. So where is the distribution of your K-50 team across both North and South America? Yeah, so um, 96, okay. So 19% of our first fund was in Latin America. Um, investments that we did in Latin America, uh, a couple of companies, uh, Colombia, Brazil, uh, Mexico. Um, and that, percentage grew um, as we continued to invest um, fund one, fund two, and we're now in fund three. Um, and now we're up to really almost half of our, of our companies are, uh, are based in Latin America. Um, the geographic distribution within Latin America is, is uh, 93%, that's the number. Um, for Colombia, Brazil, and Mexico. So majority of our investments are in founders that are operating out of or HQ'd in those three countries. Um, and we've invested in, we, we definitely look at, at founders um, building in, in other countries. Typically they end up, um, they end up going to, uh, to one of those countries anyway. So um, that, that's the geographic breakdown. And then as far as the, um, like why we decided to um, double down on, on, on Latin America, it was, it was really simple. Um, we had, you know, trusted relationships. Um, we, we were in the region before it was hot and 2016 was when we made our first investment and we really built, you know, genuine relationships with the investors there with family offices um, that are, you know, running companies or are, are their operating businesses are the traditional companies that a lot of, a lot of these startups are trying to disrupt, um, who I think have been way more involved and interested in collaborating with these companies as, uh, as startups uh, started coming to the region, as more venture capital started coming into the region. Um, and this really helped us, you know, uh, we after you build a community of, of founders, you, you end up getting referred to a lot more great founders and, and that, you know, it's almost like a flywheel. Um, uh, the, other, the other thing was um, we were basically, 
we were seeing a lot of founders before they started, they, before they would go out and, and raise capital in the in, at the seed stage. Um, and so we were just seeing founders earlier, like honestly better founders earlier and at great valuations. So for us, it made sense as an investment firm, but more importantly, um, it really fit our thesis. Um, it, in 2016, it was, it was kind of hard to find founders in the US that were that we're building for the 99%. I think it, that was the, you know, having a mission-driven um, uh, founder come and say they wanted to do something in, in fi financial inclusion or wanted to build something to make healthcare more affordable and more accessible or, or education for that matter. Um, we wouldn't see so much, uh, and now we're seeing a lot more. Um, in, in Latin America, like the problem, there's, it's ripe with problems. Um, it, it's, I, I believe there's, you know, we found this out as we started investing, it's ripe with opportunity. Um, and so when those two really match up is, is really like our sweet spot. Um, and that, that was, that was the, the majority of the reason, all the financial reasons made it make sense as a business, but that was what really brought us to the, the region was was really the problems and opportunities. The people, the people are amazing. Culture, um, and uh, and and then the, you know the, the financial piece made it all make sense from a business perspective for us. You mentioned on another podcast in 2021 that Latin America has a growing number of exit opportunities. Roughly a year later, is this still the case? And could you elaborate on this point? And do you see IPOs taking off in Mexico like they have in Brazil anytime soon? Yeah, so I mean, I think we're just at a, uh, I think we're at a standstill across the globe. Um, the, I believe the IPO market will most likely be cold for the rest of 2022 and possibly for 2023 as well. Um, so, I don't think we're going to see a ton of IPOs happening over the next year and a half, to be honest, um, unless a company absolutely has to. Um, they'll probably stay private for as long as possible to keep on building their, uh, you know, move to profitability to 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 make their unit economics a bit stronger to grow into their valuation. You know, a lot of companies, not just in Latin America, uh, but uh, it, a lot of companies across the globe and, 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 and specifically in Latin America, they, there was a lot of money that came into the, to the region, right? So a lot of VC money that came into, um, and I'm just bringing up a, a quote here. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the, in terms of millions, so there was 1.3 billion dollars that came into Latin America, um, VC fundraising um, in 2019. So that's VCs that had raised uh, capital um, in 2019 in Latin America, okay? That's 2018 was 637 million. Um, so same number of funds, 31 funds in 2018, 31 funds in 2019 at 1.3 billion. So it doubled. That, that number doubled again 
with more funds, almost doubled in number of funds and doubled in size. So, so in 2021, there was $2.6 billion that were raised in 2021. Um, and in just the first half of 2022, there's already been $2 billion raised by VCs in Latin America. So there is a ton of capital in the region. Um, in addition, there was a lot more capital that came in from outside of Latin America. So I think what we were seeing was, you know, uh, if you took a microscope, put it directly in Latin America versus the rest of the globe, um, you're seeing basically, yes, some companies were getting uh, like overvalued across, you know, different industries. In Latin, there was just a lot more money chasing a lot fewer deals. So a lot of these companies are going to have to grow into their valuation, like other like we've seen across you know other regions um so i i don't see i don't see uh i don't see a lot of exits in the in the next year and a half um uh or ipos um happening in latin in the billion dollar plus range just because companies are cash is you know king right now and and there's uh the interest rates are super high for debt. So I, I don't see a lot of companies uh, shelling out billions of dollars for, for, um, for startups in, in this particular time. Um, but I, I do, I do think that that will come back and come roaring back um, uh, come, come 2023, 2024, when the IPO markets come back. And, and when you mentioned Brazil versus Mexico, a lot of these companies are actually going public on the on the U.S. stock exchanges. Based on that previous answer, obviously there's many LPs that are seeking to put dollars into Latin American focused funds. But what would you say to individual LPs who are nervous about sociopolitical risk in Latin America negatively affecting their investment in your fund? Yeah, so, I mean, you talk to any of the families that have built businesses inside the region, um, They'll tell you that as long as they were growing up, um, as long as they could remember, as they were growing up, they would hear their 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 father or their mother tell them that this is the worst time in in Latin American history from a political standpoint. Um, so I don't think now is really much of any di like much different than it was you know, 10 years ago or five years ago or 20 years ago. I mean, basically you wait a couple of years and the, and, and, and typically the pres presidents end up changing and switching and everything switches. And then you have another set of, of, of problems and challenges that, so I, to, to kind of be brief, the socio-political um, challenge has, has always been a challenge um, in in Latin America, that that everybody's fighting, that everybody's fighting with. I think the the two the two things to be to be confident in as an LP is a if you're going to be investing in a fund that that is investing in Latin America, make sure they understand know the the right people. They know uh, how to uh, do business in the region. They have boots on the ground um, because. I think there's a lot of times where people are, you know, investing in, in companies uh, or, or whether it's in Mexico, Brazil, Colombia. I mean, and these are all different, completely different governments um, where 
you really need to understand how to navigate the market. Um, and that's where you will get burned because with, you know, with a lot of, with, with the risk that there is, and with the challenge that there is, there's a lot of opportunity. Typically we're not working with businesses that have big government contracts. Um, so we try to shy away from that um, where we're typically working with uh, companies that are uh, serving uh, SMB customers or consumers. Um, so I, I think we, we typically avoid um, uh, some of these kind of completely drastic changes that can be made um, at the government level. Um, but uh, we're seeing some really you know, crazy things being proposed in, in all countries. Um, and you just have to you know, be nimble and flexible. And, and, and the founders that we're backing, they, they know, they know these, these markets. They grew up there. Um, they have, you know, built a company there already. Um, they might have a family business that exists there. Um, so typically you're backing founders that, that, that know how to, that know how to like for us, like LPs are backing us and we know how to navigate the market. We're typically backing founders that know how to navigate the market as well. Shifting gears a little bit to geographical diversity among VCs in the United States. You've worked in VC in both San Francisco and New York. Why did you choose to headquarter K50 Ventures in New York City? And how would you compare the VC scenes in San Francisco, New York, and Miami? Yeah, I think, I mean, it seems like New York City is the hot ticket right now uh, in, in venture capital along with, uh, along with Miami. San Francisco will always have, I mean, it was the, the that's where venture capital was really, uh, I mean, it was born in Boston, but really, you know, took, took a, grew so much in, in San Francisco and in Silicon Valley and all the big firms are, are really headquartered there, um, except for Andreessen Horowitz, who is now headquartered in the cloud, um, which I think is just like a telling moment of like where, where, uh, where the startup ecosystem is um, and where it isn't. I think there's, with the pandemic and with COVID, th there was this like, you know, almost um, this explosion of uh, the traditional, you have to be in the office, you have to go down, you have to go to, to down to Silicon Valley um, and, and pitch, um, pitch all of the, the VCs. Um, and you saw a lot of the movement, even in, even in Silicon Valley, you saw a lot of VCs moving to San Francisco, moving to the hub, to the city. This is where founders wanted to be. With COVID, you saw you know all the founders go everywhere. So a lot of a lot of like what we're doing in terms of in 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 terms of meeting founders, we're doing it over the internet. Um, and then we have hubs where we are meeting. So we have an office here in in New York City, but I'm often going to San Francisco, Miami, um, all, in in addition to Mexico City, Sao Paulo, Bogota. And you're going to the different hubs where where their uh, where where founders are, you know, living in the cities and 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 really building building their companies. Um, as far as the different the different scenes that we're that we're seeing, um, I think San Francisco, Silicon Valley, it, it's it's typically a bit more insulated. Um, I'd say. Um, there, you know, there's there's very specific, you know, groups of people that they they work they work together. 
I think New York is a little bit, it's, it's funny because New York city is a very much of like a sharp elbow, like zero sum game type of mentality. Um, I think that that travels over to Silicon Valley more probably now. And, and New, New York has taken this more collaborative approach. Um, and you definitely see that in Latin America. Like if Silicon Valley is the complete antithesis of like, if I'm doing this deal that you're not, then, then my counterparts are not investing in this company. Um, and this, this typically happens at the you know, Series A plus stage. Um, the uh, Latin America, I think, is, is much more collaborative. Um, and and I, it seems to me like New York City is, is, is becoming more collaborative in that way as well. Um, and honestly, there's just a, like pretty much every single San Francisco Silicon Valley firm that I would go and visit in Silicon Valley. They have an office either here or in Miami, here in New York City or, or, or in Miami. So I think that I think the gravitational pull is going away from from Silicon Valley, San Francisco and starting to spread to uh, to the startup hubs so that as VCs were meeting founders where they are. Um, and I think that that's the that's the the, the typical um, I got not that's the trend meet the founders where they are um don't make them come to you um whether that's you know on the internet or you know being in a in a in a in a hub that that uh that that they're either visiting or or um or building their company in you mentioned on another podcast that investors like a16z and softbank are investing in latin america with these gigantic multi-billion dollar funds with big players entering the Latin America VC space, how does K50 Ventures maintain its advantage in both the competition for LP dollars and competitive rounds? Yeah, I mentioned this before. I think, I mean, it's all about trust. Uh, it, we, we were in the region before it was hot. We built genuine relationships. I mean, this is really as a firm and then as partners. Um, this has led us to being, you know, referred to to great founders by our community. Um, this. This sense of this sense of community is a is a big deal. I think a lot of you know funds will will end up you know gathering this over time. Um, the other thing is we're we're not really competing with these guys at all. Um, we're we're so early. Um, we're at at the seed stage. We might run into a, a competitive term sheet from one of these bigger funds, but typically we're speaking to these founders before they're ready to speak to the bigger funds. Um, and again, that comes from trust. That comes from like a friendly relationship, which is which is more like, hey, here's what I'm doing. What do you think about my approach to to fundraising? Um, which is which is great. And I think that that's like our whole MO is, is really be first check and partner to help them get this thing off the ground. Um, and we're not a tourist fund. So like we have boots on the ground, um, including, uh, including my partner, Daniel Vasquez, who's one of the most, I mean, if not the most, uh, one of the most active investors in, in Colombia, um, uh, through, uh, through his uh, family office. And we've been there, we've invested in plenty of companies. Um, and I think we bring something very similar to some of these big Silicon Valley funds that are coming to Latin America, which is you know, experience investing in, in companies in the US and in Silicon Valley. 
um, New York, et cetera. Um, and bringing that type of experience to the table at, as it, at a very, very early stage, which you know a lot of founders are not getting that the time of day at this at this very early stage. Maybe they'll get a meeting, but they're not you know they're not spending quality time with uh, with some of these bigger funds at that early stage. I will say though, as a shout out to Andreessen Horowitz and Gabriel Vasquez, who's leading the efforts for the team um, in Latam. Um, I mean, he he completely, I think, shifted the model on its head of like big fund. Um, and, you know, he's meeting with founders super early. He's, you know, uh, digging in um, and and really getting dirty with the founders and, and, and you know, um, learning more about what they're building at a very early stage and, and even created a program to be investing um, as, as early as pre-seed. So I will, I will say Andreessen is, is, has been super impressive how they've, um, approached the region. Um, and I think it's really well respected amongst the founders, um, and, and Gabriel and, and, and I'm hoping they'll, you know, bring in more teammates as well. Um, they've just done a really incredible job. So I, I, I will say that, that they're doing, they're doing a great job you know, big multi-billion dollar fund to be able to play at the, at the earliest stages like they have been um, is, is impressive and, and, and commendable. I love it. Finally, I have to ask Peter Thiel's famous contrarian question, but with a uniquely Samia VC twist. What important truth about Latin America do very few people agree with you on? I think there's a few people that would agree with me in 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 Latin, in Latin America, but I think in in general, there's a lot of a, a lot of funds that came in and invested in a couple of of companies within within Latin America, um, and are now you know with the with with the market being being the way that it is, they're now starting to pull out and really focus on their core, um, mainly because they are you know, scared of socio-political risk or whatever the reason is that they make up. Um, they're scared to invest in Latin America right now. They don't know what's going to happen. I, I personally think if 2016 was a great time to invest um, as the, you know, the run-up really happened with 2020 and 2021, with the amount of venture that's being raised in the region, with where we're at from a perspective of like setting the rails specifically across digital payments, um, logistics. Um, I think we're at this really interesting point, similar to a China in 2013, where now is really the time to double down, if not triple down on, in, in Latin America. Um, the, the founders are smarter. They've done their thing. The, um, the talent, has uh, has been trained uh, in you know how to be an engineer or how to be in growth or in, in UX in um, in, a, in a startup um, and they've they've done it before um, and the big companies are starting to collaborate with the smaller companies now um, and these much bigger companies these much bigger startups. And the IPO markets will come back. The much bigger startups will have cash to do to do exits. I just think it's it's now is the time to really to really invest uh, heavily in in the region. What a great answer, Ryan! Thank you so much for coming on the Simia VC podcast today. 
Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for having me. Thank you for watching this episode of Sami VC. My name is Trip Gorman. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you view the podcast. And don't forget to check out our newsletter, DealFlow LA, which can be found by going to dealflow.la.